Go on, Jacob, you start it off. Hello and welcome to season two of Fascinatingly Odd, Fantastically Queer, a podcast by JK <laughs> and Taryn. We've got so much pride about doing that intro, haven't we? Really, it's, it's You'd have thought after like the six months, nine months hiatus that we may have practiced it a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen with us, is it? It's never going to happen. It's not. It's not. And we're coming... Uh, from the same place we came in, um, that sounds a bit, <laughs> bit weird. Uh, we're recording this live in uh, Soho Square, which is where we did the first episode back in February time last year, wasn't it? Yeah, same time last year. It was just as cold then. <laughs> yeah, and, and still getting uh, boggled by tech. Yeah, well, that was your fault, not mine. True. <laughs> uh, I will accept that. And so a lot has changed in the last year? Yeah, has it? <laughs> What's changed? <laughs> Everything and nothing. Oh, okay. wow. Okay, Katia. Um, sure, let's go with that. What's changed, JK? What uh, has changed? So, uh, I used to do stuff for Pride in London, and now I don't. You used to do Pride in London stuff and then stopped for a year or so, and now you're doing stuff for Pride in London. Yes. And taking my job. Yeah, well, you left. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's a step up, right? It's a... It's a mm. No, no, it's, it's, it is. It's a step up. For Great. them or for you? For them. Oh, always for them. <laughs> it's always for them. <laughs> and so what, what's got you back into Pride in London? Um, I think for me, I, th- I saw there were some changes that happened in Pride in London when I was originally in Pride in London. I had issues with like how diverse it was and how much it was actually speaking to the community. And I realised like actually over the last like few months, obviously there's a lot of leadership changes have happened. Um, and things like that within Pride in London and it's more of a place where I think actually it's trying to speak to the community more and it's trying to speak to the people that don't like Pride in London as well um, and it's trying to have those more open and honest conversations which I don't think it was doing as much before and you're enjoying it then? yeah I am it's fun um, yeah doing like deputy head of content so yeah leading on like the written and audio stuff so yeah it's D- fun delightful yes and you've started your own oh, Pride stop it stop it little old me uh, no, I, I've been very fortunate in uh, having a few people in my hometown starting a Pride with me. They've done all the hard work as per normal and I take the glory. So it's great. <laughs> and where's your hometown? What's the name of this oh, Pride? Oh, I thought you said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am the chair of uh, Yeovil Pride. It's happening again this year on the 8th of August. Uh, so if you are wanting to drink a lot of cider, enjoy the traditional Somerset hospitality, which is non-existent. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that. You're really saying it. Really saying it. But it's it's the heart of the West Country. It's really really important. Uh, we're doing our second Pride uh, this year, and it's just incredible what what the team are doing there. Um, and it's a different thing, right? Like, I left Pride in London because I felt like I'd given everything I could to it. And actually, there are towns across the UK where we do need to be um, active and to lead a a campaign there, more so, in my opinion, than London. You know, London is that beacon, and I I still love it. Um, But actually, for me, I needed to go home and make my community in in Somerset proud and uh, give them an opportunity to march with rainbows and uh, be truly whoever they want to be. And I think what's great about it is the amount of diversity... Uh, that's there you know it's a hodgepodge of different people um, and that's really lovely as well it is people from all over coming together to, to, to work on it a bit like most prides I've been involved with actually mm. I think it's people power isn't it there's a, there's a loveliness lovely thing to see people power and people 
wanting to make a change and wanting to do something and especially when all these organisations are all volunteer based it's great to see people within the community wanting to make a change and wanting to make a difference. And casting my mind back to you uh, um, but I remember talking and we were we were trying to work out this idea of activism yeah and you on record said that you didn't believe you were an activist yes do you still believe that yeah I what well, I, mm. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> I don't yeah no I don't know I, I, it's, I think it's the same thing I don't like labeling myself as an activist um, that's the thing so I don't I feel like some no, yeah, no, I don't feel like I'm an activist still, no. Why? Because um, I feel like, for me, activism, there's something very frontline about activism, and there's something about, like... Yeah, there's something very frontline about being activism, and I don't think I'm frontline. I feel like I, I talk a lot on, online, um, and, you know, there's people I talk to in my life about LGBT things, but I don't feel like I'm frontline there every day, all the time, just, like, putting myself out there. Not like people like... Know Travis or Lady Phil or Jamie Windust or um, people like that, Charlie Craigs, all those kind of people who are actually every day like putting themselves out on the line more. But I don't know. See, I disagree, and I think that whilst they do amazing work, there is activism in each of us, and the roles that we uh, play are still vital. Um, really. Yeah. Um, I also love the journey that you've been on uh, over the last couple of years as well uh, moving from Pride in London but then going to alternative protest led uh, movements as well and you've experienced quite a lot I think in the last couple yeah. of years yeah it's um, it's funny like I look back at sometimes like, my tweets from like two years ago and last year especially early last year and how like angry they were and how um, negative they were and yeah how angry and negative they were and I see people a lot of the time now who are doing their forms of a um, activism and they are very angry and they're very like we yeah, are just angry all, all the time and I find that's probably not the best way to go about activism I found like actually for me what I'm focusing more especially this year is being like more kind spreading kindness and spreading like positivity whether that's say something crappy happens and I try and change the narrative into maybe something that's a bit more uplifting but I know like especially last year I was in a place where I kind of yeah, I was in like the like protest kind of, I guess, movement space. I helped set up a another activist group. Um, and I was surrounding myself with people that um, were actually was very toxic and very negative. And it can be very cult-like, I found. Um, I saw someone DM me on Instagram the other day because I was talking about it on Instagram. And she said, like, oh, like, she had the same kind of, similar kind of experience. And, like, that it can be very, like, cult-like and very... If you don't agree with what I agree with... 100% then you're the enemy and we're going to delete you, we're going to block you, we're going to cancel you we're going to act like you are you are the enemy and it's like actually no, people are allowed to have other opinions, people are allowed to view things in different ways and sometimes they might be wrong in those viewpoints and those opinions but that's how you educate people and you have a conversation with people you don't delete, block and act like they don't exist you don't cancel people, cancel culture doesn't work. And do you think that's because I, I, I get comparisons between that and politics and the opinions people have around uh, society and where we're going as a country. And I find it very similar where you have certain um, members of certain parties also kind of doing the same thing, right? Where if you don't have the same opinion, they will cancel you or uh, throw a ton of... They will troll you online and they will tell you that you're awful um, and hold you accountable for things that you had had no uh, involvement with 
and maybe it's the same and maybe it's the age that we live in where it's so easy to talk about your opinion it's so easy to be misinformed Hmm. and to therefore get caught up in a notion that's perhaps not thought through um i don't know I, um, there's a YouTuber that I watch her videos quite a lot. She's a trans YouTuber called um, ContraPoints. Well, it's her YouTube channel. And she does these really, really in-depth videos on topics. Um, whether that's like, about gender or about the LGBT community. or like She studied, um, I think, psychology and stuff. And like, her videos are really super long. They're like 40 minutes long. And I recommend watching them because d- does very do- she goes into like... She'll do both sides. She, and she b- shares both sides equally. Even if they're not her viewpoint, she will share that person's viewpoint in a very way that's not taking... The- the mick out of that other viewpoint even if she doesn't agree with it and her latest video she did a couple months ago because she got cancelled um she had a one of the characters in one of her videos who did a voiceover that's all they did was a voiceover was a trans um trans man but the trans community don't like this trans man because he calls himself a transsexual and not a transgender he's also part of a generation that was before like the more modern day trans movement so in his eyes he's transsexual not transgender so a lot of the um, trans community don't like him but because he was in her video, she got cancelled. And in, she, like, does this whole hour and a half long video delving into, like, cancel culture, cancel culture in the LGBT community, and specifically in, like, the trans community and how people hold, like, how people will rip and ridicule and rip people to shreds on it and in the most horrible, gruesome, nasty ways and how, like, her friends were getting messages from people telling them that they need to, like, publicly say that they don't want anything to do with ContraPoint, anything to do with her anymore, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, they were, all of these, like, people were trying to ruin even her friends' careers that just knew ContraPoint's wise association. Um, but one of the things she started the video off, she was delving into James Charles and, like, his controversies and how, like, whenever James Charles does anything, people like, he's a racist, he's a transphobe. And, like, that's because of the things he said when he was younger. Bearing in mind, he's, what, 20? And a lot of times, these controversies he's had, it was when he was, like, 18, 19... And every time he's had a controversy, he's actually taken a step back and, well, from what she said and how she explained it, taken a step back and, like, actually learned from it. So when he's made the um, faux pas, the trans faux pas, when he was being interviewed, but asked a question by someone, like, oh, like, do you think you're fully gay? And he went, no, like, I've dated trans people and blah, blah, blah. And because he said that, people assume that, oh, you're saying trans men aren't real men. So he essentially put out an apology, and in the apology, like, he said, like, oh, I 100% think trans men are real men, blah, blah, blah. Like, he explained, like, he, he showed to me that he'd learned why what he said was, was wrong, and he, like, done some research into it and, like, figured that out. It wasn't just an apology for the sake of saying sorry. Um, but people will still hold him accountable to that now. And it's that kind of thing of, like, where do we let people... How, when do we say, okay, that person's done enough now, let's move on? Like, we don't need to counsel people, especially when counsel culture doesn't work. And holding people to these high standards when actually, in your everyday lives, are you, like, that perfect? Is anyone that perfect? No. And I think that's the key, right? You know, this is um, not a learning thing. I think this is a, a, a way that we need to talk about things more broadly across society, is that we shouldn't just be having out binary... Um, conversations of yes or no yeah uh what we need to get to is this place where you do educate and the thing that i pick up on is if i uh if someone wants to define themselves that's their right to yeah um i know that there's always a limit to that but if someone is you know the whole idea of uh the drag queens that started the pride movement what would you call them in if they were contemporary you probably wouldn't refer to them as drag queens. You may refer to them as transgender. Um, I don't know, but you have to take the historical context of when that person yeah. has grown up and the environment that they've grown up in as well. 
So would you say they were drag queens and not trans people then? That's not for me to say. Uh, I I couldn't possibly comment, Darren. Don't try and leave me down that. You just said drag queens, and I was like, oh, and I hope. <laughs> I I'm suggesting I'm not defining. Lovely person coughing in the background too. I'm hoping that the microphone hasn't picked that up. <laughs> so so thanks for reference. Well, well, just in, just in case it has, I I they'll just point it out. Um, <laughs> okay, question: The LGB Alliance, they're members of the LGBT community but they're also outwardly anti-trans and anti-non-conforming people. How do you approach that? Because that's one issue that I've... Obviously, this I'm talking on, on my own behalf here, not in terms of Pride in London's behalf, but when you go into those kind of situations, it's like, well, they are still queer people, aren't they? So can you outwardly be like, nope, don't like you, but they are still queer people, even though they are being... segregating or they're anti-trans. So it's, how do you deal with those kind of groups and those people we are a broad church uh, excuse the uh, religious connotation Uh, what that means is that we have members uh, across a plethora of uh, viewpoints the sole thing that we should be doing is fighting for everyone's right and if you identify as LGB and you cannot understand the historical context let alone the moral context of why it is so important that trans people uh, exist and we protect their rights and we fight for their rights. I think there's an education piece to be done there, but I feel like it's a bit like the far right discussion where there's almost an ideology behind it. Um, And we need to be careful not to give it too much attention. Um, How do you shut it down? How do you talk about it constructively? I don't think that a lot of the, the movements that are angry and upset like LGBT um, LGB Alliance and other uh, sectors of the LGBT community are also angry right you know the protesters um, so many different sects of uh, people that are angry and actually angry doesn't solve anything and I, I wish that those that signed up to LGB Alliance realized the pain and the hurt that they their, their doctrine kind of encourages um, so I can't support them and I won't give them any space to talk because that they don't need that space. The space right now has to be on protecting and celebrating and fighting for the rights of trans people. Like, without without question. Fair, cool. One thing I've heard a lot of um, people saying re- recently is that LGBT plus communities, it's not community, communities. And I, I both like it and dislike it because I feel like there's the... So I mean, it's like, okay, I guess it's somewhat more inclusive because you're saying LGBT communities, you're understanding that, like, you know, queer people of colour's experience is different to white people of... white queer people's experiences. You're about to say white, pe- uh, queer, white, white queer people of colour. Yeah. Um, or, like, trans, the trans experience is different to the cis gay experience. So I understand that, but at the same time, it's also a very segregating thing because it's also kind of, I think, almost saying, like, oh, I see that there's the LGB alliance coming up. So we're going to accept that that's part of the community, but actually, as two, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, yes, there are so many different, there's so many intersectionalities within the LGBT plus community, but it is still one community, I think, which should be one community. It definitely is, and I think the the power comes not just within this fight, which is what you know we're talking on this about, but from any fight is actually understanding that whilst we may have so many differences, you know, you and I have different upbringings, we have different outlooks, um, different identities completely. 
actually what I celebrate. Well, look, Completely. you, know, you right. look how fabulous you look, and look how much I look like I've just walked out of the office, right? Like, I'm, that's your vibe. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but we have to celebrate each other's differences, um, and you know, catch we celebrate in this. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Um, yeah, we we need to kind of all come together, collaborate. The community versus communities. Uh, you know, it's always going to be an issue. You're always going to have people that want to fight for their sole thing. Yeah. Um, whether that's the LGBT alliance, uh, whether that's other parts of the LGBT community, LGBT plus community. Um, what works best is when we all get into a room, an organisation, and we sit and celebrate every unique person that there is. Um, yeah. And whilst we may have different groups and networks and naturally uh, join um, I'm, I'm distracted because this guy's getting strip searched almost <laughs> what's, what's your opinion on LGB Alliance? Um, pretty very similar to yours because you know we do have things in common sometimes like, even though if you don't think so um, yeah I don't think they should be given the space the attention that they have been getting or have been given I think there's, an, there's an, yeah, like you said, there's an education piece that needs to go on there, but I don't think there's an education piece that they want to listen to um, or pay any mind to because I think a lot of the time they do know what they're choosing to ignore. And um, I saw a thread on Twitter the other day of um, some man who was like looking at like their audience or their following or whatever and kind of working out like how many similarities they had between things. So like he, there were these like um, graphs and one was like like how many overlaps is there between the LGB alliance and like pride organisations and there's no no overlap. Um, how many overlaps were there between LGBT Alliance and queer publications no like no things and the only things they really had like things in common with had nothing to do with the LGBT community or LGB community at all mm. and it was quite funny to see actually so who are these people that are who are the LGBT Alliance if they don't actually they're not interacting with queer queer culture what are you then mm. and I think you know the, the most probably dangerous thing in my opinion is that people start to think that the LGB Alliance speaks for the whole community yeah. Uh, by using the LGB in their title to an outsider it may seem like that's a genuine thing that, that represents uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual people uh, and the rest of the community and it, it doesn't um, you know I think that needs to be made clearer that they don't speak for me at least they don't speak I don't think for you uh, I'm not under the acronym so that, I mean, <laughs> yeah there <laughs> you go there I'm, the one, I'm one of the people they're against, so... That's true. Awkward. <laughs> it's true there, didn't you, JK? <laughs> so then what are you looking forward to this year? Because we, we're going to have more guests on. We're going to uh, be back with different stories. What are you looking forward to? On the podcast? Looking forward in, to? In, just in, in life, in Why general. Um, I'm looking forward to being more active. I'm looking forward to... Um, I'm looking forward to doing this podcast and actually sharing some more stories with some really, really interesting and cool people. There's a lot of people we've got lined up because we are being slightly more prepared this year. We actually have people that have agreed to be on the podcast and they are all very diverse people still again, which is great. Um, so many people that like I know like, I know in, in real life who are actually really amazing people who are doing amazing work that I don't think get spoken about enough or a lot. Like, yeah. What else am I looking forward to? I think that's kind of it, especially in terms of the podcast. I'm looking forward to getting back on doing this and um, sharing like the queer agenda. 
the queer agenda. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we haven't spoken about yet is... Hey, what are you looking forward to? You can't oh. ask me to ask yourself. <laughs> Come on, this, this is a co-podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, really understanding people's stories again. I think that's the, the most fascinating part of what this uh, does. And, you know, going and hearing different viewpoints and opening my eyes up to a, a, a you know gay white cis man sat here. Uh, opening my eyes up to experiences that I never would have had. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Cool. And then you were about to ask something else then before I rudely interrupted because that's what I do here. I was. I was going to say that we are recording this obviously on February 1st, which yes. is the start of LGBT plus history yes. month. So obviously February is LGBT plus history month. Um, we wanted to record this to coincide with that. Um, what does it mean to you? Oh, what does LGBT history month mean? I think it's a time for LGBT plus people to remember the, uh, our queer history. I think it's often forgotten. Last year, we spoke about, everyone spoke about it a lot more because obviously it was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. So people were talking about how it was like trans people of colour who were homeless that kind of almost started the movement and um, were the, almost the gatekeepers of the movement originally. Um, so like, the history's been on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, but I think it's a time for people to actually sit and remember the, our history and think about that actually people who started the movement who were allowed to be kids at the movement at the start of it um, and even queer people in history who were, weren't fully out or who were like killed because they were out I know like Remembrance Day recently or that's, Holocaust Memorial that's the one I'm so bad I couldn't remember history that. yeah um, oh. but like obviously there's a lot of people talking about like how a lot of gay people were killed and how it's the birth of the pink triangle and things like that so yeah there's a lot of history that I don't think gets spoken about and it's a time to actually reflect on it remember that like all the like people of colour and the trans people that kind of been thrown under the bus under, uh, over the more recent, you know, LGBT plus rights and stuff where it's been a lot of like cis white men focused. Actually, remember how diverse the movement is and how intersectional it is. The, the the pink triangle, I find it fascinating that people don't understand the history of that and how powerful that symbol is and where that's been appropriated from. Um, and so, if you've got one thing to research, uh, look into that. Look into the start of the uh, the movement or one of the pinnacles of the the movement in Stonewall, uh, fifty one years ago this yeah. year. Yeah. Well, um, and there's actually there was the first um, Pride marches in the UK this year. First Pride march in England, which took place on November nineteen seventy, with one hundred and fifty men walking through um, Highbury Fields in North London. The official Pride wasn't two till two years later. But so actually, it's wonderful that Pride in London did Pride Jubilee last year. Awkward. Yeah. Or <laughs> celebrating Pride's like anniversary in two years when there kind of was one this year, which no one's talking about. Not just Pride, but like Pride in London, but actually all Pride movements because it was the first one. Just like, yeah, it happened in London. Yeah, it happened in London, but actually no one's talking about it. Mm. We've come a long way. There's a lot more, lot further we can go. We need to go. There's also someone whistling for a dog right now and it's very distracting. <laughs> Why did we choose here? Again, remember the last time we came here and we got homophobic abused? We did. We did. And I, I feel like that's not going to change, though. Like, the abuse, uh, the heckling. I think, if anything, since last night, uh, the divisions of Brexit uh, now kind of are in full effect. I wonder how long it's going to take before we kind of progress with this uh, full equality. Um, and I'm, I'm slightly anxious that this year and going forward, it's it's going to be, if not more divisive than, you know, obviously since 2016 it became more divisive, but I, 
I do worry that we're still not kind of heading to a place that is open and equal and doesn't resort to heckling homophobia, transphobia, biphobia. Uh, Racism, misogyny, ableism, them all, because it's all intersectional. It is all intersectional. Do a shot every time I said intersectional in this video, in this podcast, because I've said it a lot, I think. It's like my new buzzword. Maybe you needed to say that at the start of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, or like you can re-watch it, re-listen to it. Re-watch the podcast. There's Darren understanding audio content. I, I changed it. I said to listen. <laughs> wow, the shade. Mm, the shade. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of divisions in society. We've spoken about earlier in the LGBT community, whether it's or the wider society itself, and it is worrying and saddening. But then there is also like a lot of hope as well. There's a lot of there's like you know there's more community price popping up here, there, and everywhere. Um, there's more people actually talking about things online. There are a lot of safe spaces online. People are more open and you know will call out transphobia and homophobia when they see it, and then people are less accepting of it in certain spaces and stuff like that. There are, I think. As much as the community is divided, there's a lot more sense of togetherness in some aspects of it too. When you find your tribe and find your people, they're your people. So then 2020, I suppose, uh, is a year of hope. Um, There's a great quote from Harvey Milk, which is, hope will never be silent. Um, And, you know, whilst we do have all of these divisions, I think it's great that you've picked up the gauntlet with Pride in London again, and that you're working on other projects um, on social media and online. Uh, that I'm doing different things to, to also take Pride uh, that step further in different parts of the country. Um, and I think my main, uh, not message, because, you know, I'm not the queen yet, um, is... You are a queen, just not the queen. Unfortunately, you're not, not the queen. Um, but Never it's, be it's... me. <laughs> Should have been me. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like, uh, and I've said it a lot of times, if you want to change things you can change them you just need to step up and do it Mm. um there's no excuse to not be involved there's no excuse to not attend pride meetings or lgbt plus community events whatever you you can do it if there's not something there you can set it up these things are all within the power of the individual and it's not even having to do that either it's maybe just reading a book like understanding learning more about the queer people like queerness and talking to people about it, talking to your friends, talking to your family about these kind of things and getting them to think about these conversations. Sometimes that's the biggest change that can happen. Isn't shouting about it online, doing a tweet, being angry and stuff. Actually talking to people who, whose lives don't surround LGBT, the LGBT community. Like the biggest impact I've ever had is like talking to my mum and my sister about like LGBT issues. And like my mum's a teacher at a school, teaching assistant at a school. And she then supports the queer people in her school or she will question teachers and staff who say things that are problematic because of the conversations I've had that has helped her do more research you don't have to be part of pride just be aware and actually talk to people outside of your community and I think that's a really great point the most powerful thing that I've done recently is I was over uh, Christmas I was back in Somerset and obviously watching the Gavin and Stacey special where Fairy Tale of New York comes on infamous song uses the F word and I sat down with my sister and her husband and we spoke about why that word was so um, raw and, and has so much weight uh, for people in the LGBT plus community. And actually just having a conversation with them about how the BBC could have changed that, the, the, the 
James Corden and Ruth Jones could have scripted it differently to cut away from that scene. They did not have to say that word. Um, and actually, for the first time ever, my sister and her husband went, oh, they, yeah, I get that. And so actually that was more powerful than quite a lot of things I do because these people aren't actively engaged in the LGBT plus community. They have a family member who is, but you know that was definitely something that changed them and their mindset. I found that conversation very funny and like, because a lot of people are going, yeah, but everyone uses the word queer now. And I'm like, yeah, but if that song had said the word queer instead of the F word, people would still be kicking up about it because it's not about about the word itself it's about how the word is used like that was, it was like two straight people shouting that word out it's like if the two straight people shout out the word like queer at someone that's still offensive like yes it might be reclaimed now but it doesn't mean you can go and use it as a slur it's a very weird niche argument that people that people had to try and justify it and it was just like you're, you, you know why the word was being used you know why they kept it in let's not actually try and give it any validation that it didn't need whatsoever. I mean the other interesting thing about that whole thing is the singer who uh, sung with the pose, Kirsty, I can never remember her surname whenever she sang it after the initial recording she never used the word and so this whole idea that oh that's how it's always been sung is completely bullshit anyway um, And then didn't the BBC like kind of when people complained their emails back were like trying to educate queer people who were saying this is offensive for X, Y, Z, they were like no it's not blah 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 blah, it's like uh yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you cannot tell someone why they should be offended or not. Like yeah. that, that's not something the BBC can or should be doing. Um, but you're right, you know, we each have a responsibility, whether that is something like reading a book, educating yourself, whether that is talking to family members and friends and people that aren't in the community and, and helping to get them to see. There's a whole plethora of, of things that you can do. Yeah, to help people see the queer light. It's a glorious, fabulous, glittery light. Biodegradable glitter. Yes, at the end of a glorious tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds euphemistic. Oh, oh, well, at least we know where your mind is at the moment. Just waving your I, hands yeah. about there. No one can see you, JK. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> should we leave it there? Should we, end, should we wrap it up there? I'm trying to think whether there's anything else I've got to... I think we should leave it on a, of you being a whore, basically. I think that's a no, because that's not true. I'm a, I'm a wholesome You're person. So not. You're so not. <laughs> not in the slightest. And that's coming from me, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, so when, when, are we, when are we back? So we'll be back March time. So that's when we're going to start recording with people again. And we'll have some new cool episodes with some really interesting queer people. So yeah, March, look out for us. And if you've got a story to tell, you want to be involved, we'd love to have you. Uh, we're going to... Well, I think I'm going down to uh, Somerset to do a recording. You may come with me, maybe, don't know. Um, but if you've got a story to tell and you, you want to... Uh, an invite? Sure. Yeah, why not? Come and see <laughs> the delights of Yeovil. Uh, selling it well. Um, but if you want to be involved and you've got a story to tell, or maybe you don't and you just want to come on and have a chat, then uh, do get in touch. What's the email address? FOFQpodcast.gmail.com Message us on Instagram or You're about to say LinkedIn. I was going to say LinkedIn. If you find our LinkedIn, message us on LinkedIn. Do love a link. So our, our Twitter and our Instagram are both FOFQ podcast. And our personal ones are? JKC's on Instagram and Twitter. And MXDarren underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, you changed it. Yes, yeah, so I wanted them both to be the same. On so brand. I have to have that underscore on both of them, which annoys me, but you have to do it. You, you, it's all about branding. It's all about branding. Um, and so uh, we'll leave it there. We'll yes. go and get warm. And uh, see you on the flip side. No, we're not doing that this time. <laughs> <laughs> not going to see you anywhere because this is a podcast. Catch you soon.